it's Enrico Palazzo! Yeah. How about that? You should have been pulled in the forefront they have faith in you. You should have been pulled in the fifth that they had faith in you. And you. It's time once again for another edition of the Hey, it's Enrico Palazzo Baseball Podcast. Episode number 18. Today's show is real simple. It focuses on the universal DH in Major League Baseball for the 2020 season. Find out which players will benefit from the extra positional slot in the National League and which players in the American League could be used as trade bait to the National League. As always, your hosts are Christopher Neary and Michael Govier. Take it away, boys! You know what time it is. It's another edition of the Hey, It's Rico Palazzo Baseball Podcast. We are live. Me and Christopher Deary here to talk about baseball again, even though there is no baseball. Chris, you excited about that? Baseball! <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to talk some uh, little shop about uh, DHs and the universal DH that is hopefully going to be happening uh, moving forward. It's a beautiful day out here in Ann Arbor, which makes me excited about baseball. Uh, you know, Mike, you asked me a couple weeks ago to go play catch outside. I can't find my baseball net. And this has been extremely, extremely depressing to not know where any of my three baseball mitts are. And now that it's such a beautiful day outside and I can't even find a mitt to go play catch, I am discouraged about that, but I am excited to talk about the Universal DH, that's for sure. Well, today we will focus on that Universal DH because if there is baseball, one thing that's pretty obvious is there definitely will be a Universal DH. I think we can be pretty confident in that now based on where the negotiations are at and discussions and news reports. This is the Hey, It's Enrico Palazzo Baseball Podcast. You can find us on Twitter, Palazzo Podcast, two L's, two Z's. You can also find us on Instagram, same thing, Palazzo Podcast, two L's, two Z's. And email us, please, with your comments on fantasy baseball, our style, uh, anything that comes to mind. Email the show, Palazzo Podcast at protonmail.com, two L's, two Z's. We're going to talk about universal DHs. Who benefits? Uh, what players could actually look better coming from the American League if there's a trade to happen? There's a guy in our own backyard here, Miguel Cabrera, that some people are saying, hey, what if the Tigers can unload him to an NL team, opening up the trade market to a greater expanse of opportunity? You know, that's a possibility. We'll talk about that stuff. But uh, first, Chris, how you holding up, man? What's going on over there in Ann Arbor? You feeling all right? <laughs> Quarantine taking its toll on you? You going to lose it or uh... – yeah, uh, I did a bunch of bitching before this happened to you about uh, a whole uh, plethora of uh, issues going on. Uh, obviously, the overarching issue I'm having is that uh, getting on this pod, which I love doing, and continuing to talk about things that might happen is really starting to drive me nuts. <laughs> I need some baseball to happen and really start diving into talking about what's happening on a week-to-week -week basis. Uh, 
I think we're getting closer and closer to that. But uh, yeah, this is starting to take a toll on me. Uh, this might be my my hardest week of of uh, the pandemic yet. <laughs> Work is becoming more difficult. Uh, I'm starting to watch simulated uh, games on Twitch, uh, which is really sad. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm itching for some real sports, and I'm itching for some some real baseball. I think you are expressing what many people are feeling right now. I know talking to other people in the biz that it's getting harder for them to come up with ideas for shows. And it's very frustrating because a lot of people assume that the season would be fully underway right now. And they had a lot of plans for certain episodes. Uh, I know a friend of mine was going to roll out his hundredth episode and it was supposed to be during the season, but now there is no season right now. So they're kind of disappointed with respect to that. So I get it, man. I think, Everybody feels like, man, it would be great to watch some baseball. But I do know that some people are watching the KBO, and that's brought something to life. But, you know, it's hard to replace the actual MLB games, which are on our schedule in the United States. Yeah, I've yet to check in on the the KBO. Uh, I did see that, yeah, your old buddy Dixon Machado, you were talking to me about the other day. He's mashing the ball over there in the KBO. But uh, I've yet to watch the game. I think – I'm just not interested. <laughs> I, 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 need my, I need MLB baseball. I, I, I can't watch these, these other leagues. So well, it's, it's not conducive to our schedule. I mean, the games are like, you know, some are 1 in the morning, 5 a.m., 4 a.m. It's, it's not ideal if you have to work. And I know you still do work, so you have a schedule to adhere to. I, I completely get it. I understand. Well, but- I, I, I equate it to, like, you know, People that always think the, you know, another football league would work out and be like, oh, yeah, we can do football in the spring or the summer. Like, come on, no one wants to watch those games. Like, you, either you're watching the NFL or you're not watching football at all. Yeah, I hear you. Um, we also wanted to let people know that uh, we are no longer a part of the Bases Loaded Network. Um, it's something that we did, forgot sometimes to mention at the top of the show, but it's always on our Twitter page and always in our show notes, the – we still support them completely. They've got some things going on. They're, they're going to be changing things up, and uh, I don't know anything about that. I just know that we're just uh, still doing the same thing we're doing. You just won't find us at basesloadednetwork.com, but support that still. Check out their articles. Listen to the Bases Loaded podcast. Mike Kerlin is a really great dude. He was really kind in letting us stream our podcast on his website. That was He didn't have to do that, and he did that, and I will always uh, – be grateful to Mike Curlin. He's a great guy. He still is a great guy. I still talk to him. Nothing changes. He's just uh, trying some new things out and going in a different direction. So thanks, Mike, for helping us out. And I think everyone should continue to watch and listen to Bases Loaded Network, all their videos, podcasts, and articles. Check it all out. Things change and things evolve. So they're evolving and we are evolving as well. That's right. Well, let's get into leading off. So I looked around the KBO. I think the KBO was more fun if you could find time to get into it. It's interesting to see some of the players that are doing well. Dan Straley, he's one of the better pitchers in the KBO. It's weird. And like we talked about last week, Warwick Sapold, their former Tiger, has a 120 ERA so far. He's really kicking butt. It's weird. How many games How many games in are they? I'm bringing, I'm bringing up the KBO uh, stats up right now. <laughs> I think they're about uh, seven games in right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's oh yeah, 
Got a few uh, six and one teams. Yeah, Preston Tucker, the former Astro outfielder, he's on the, uh, he's in the KBO. He's playing well, and there's some guys that I still thought were trying to get MLB roles, but it looks like they've been happy to just go play in the Korean Baseball League. Mel Rojas Jr. Uh, Ozdr- I'm gonna screw this up. Ozdrimar Despagne, remember him? Man, I'm, uh, oh yeah. Sorry. Yeah, Preston Tucker, uh, Dixon Machado. Uh, yeah, there's some familiar names. Yeah. Sure, Jose Fernandez. Look at this guy mashing the ball right now. Back five seventeen. How about that? Don't forget about Han Dong Min. He's got four home runs already. So there's some action in the KBO. I've seen some highlights. I do enjoy watching the highlights. I admit it. It does give me some baseball. Um, it, it scratches me where I itch with the baseball a little bit because I see guys hit home runs and striking people out. I don't watch the games live, although I could because I stay up all kinds of crazy hours. But, you know. What are they doing oh. with fans? Are there fans? No, they just have like paper cutouts or cardboard cutouts and stuff in the stands. Are you kidding me? Robots? I'm not kidding. Yeah, that's what's going there on out there. Cardboard cutouts of people in the stands. At least, yeah. There might be are some they, robots like, in like, there. Recognizable people like a cardboard cutout of like austin powers or something (laughs) it's just some (laughs) random person (laughs) oh my gosh uh yeah yeah celebrities right it's like cardboard cutouts of muhammad ali that's actually kind of fun (laughs) it is i think they're doing the best they can and they also are making they're showing that baseball can be played right now no one's being jeopardized no health is uh at risk as far as i know there's been no outbreaks of COVID-19 and they've been able to play seven games and I think well, that's they, promising. Didn't they start spring training and then they had to shut it down for a couple of weeks because I think someone did test positive so they shut it down everybody I think got quarantined and then they were able to start back up a couple of weeks later. Oh okay well I do know that it's nice to see that there's a an example being laid out now for the MLB and if you got to follow all the hygienic rules and do it right it could be done. No fans, no fans, no fans. That's very obvious. There's going to be a universal DH and there will be no fans. Those are two things I, I've locked in for sure when MLB comes back. What do you think uh, of the opportunity to have um, the robotic umpire system? I think that would be a great time to use it. Every excuse of the book to try new things right now is legitimate as long as it especially minimizes the amount of human beings available. So I'm all for it, dude. I think this is great news. Yeah, I mean, I, I think baseball has the best opportunity to open back up right now and being able to adhere to all of those precautions, you know, because there is some distance away from players on the field. I mean, when you're near each other, it's for a short time. You're not you're not grabbing each other and sweating all over each other constantly. So um, they, got, they, they got to get this thing right. Obviously, the new proposal was just sent out yesterday. Um, Trevor Bauer tweeted something out today. He's not happy with it at all. He thinks he thinks it's laughable, the proposal that's out there. So there's definitely going to be some 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 players that maybe don't want to give in. But uh, you're more encouraged about it than I am. You think uh, it needs to get done, which I think it needs to get done. I'm just – I'm a little worrisome that the players and owners will not come to an agreement. Um, but some money has to be made. And – they have the opportunity to be the one professional sport that could be center stage for everybody to really zero in and focus in on. And, uh, you know, the nation's craving sports right now. It's why I'm so down right now is I don't have my baseball. I want my baseball back. And, 
hopefully by the end of this week, early next week, we get some good news. And maybe a month from now, uh, we're going to roll out spring training. We are definitely going to have a season. I, I feel very confident in that because I know money rules the day. I know you think that there's going to be a way they screw this up, that they totally blow it. And that is certainly a possibility. I'm not stupid. I'm not blind. But money always wins out. And when there's money to be salvaged still, that's what will win the day. Greed, as Gordon Gecko said, greed is what makes this country great. It's also what makes this country terrible. And that's also why people will make probably poor decisions that will jeopardize people's health. And who knows? Maybe there will be a startup and then a shutdown because someone gets tested for it. Or maybe they didn't get tested. And then it's just like, oh, they had COVID. We had no idea. <laughs> you know, I read an article the other day that just kind of pissed me off because uh, I actually think if the universal DH does happen, that they're never going to go back. It's going to continue through the rest of time that we will have universal DH. I was reading an article the other day where I can't remember what website it was on, but they were basically bitching about how unfair it is to national league teams because they didn't have an off season to have the opportunity to sign potential DH uh, players. Uh, and that, that just pit, the article just pissed me off. Cause I'm like, there's enough guys in all these organizations where they, they can find a decent enough player to become their DH. Mm-hmm. Um, I also read something today about how, how good of a hitter Zach Grinky has been over his career, and he's not going to be able to hit anymore. Wow, that's so interesting you say that, because earlier in the day I was looking up Mike Hampton after going down a baseball reference hole. I just ended up on Mike Hampton's page because I was looking at the 2000 Braves, and I was remembering their divisional streak of titles from 91 to 2006. <laughs> And Mike Hampton hit 16 career home runs. He would be a great DH right now. Maybe Mike Hampton could come out of retirement and be a DH for somebody. Yeah, I think he's the career leader in, uh, in home runs for pitchers. He, really? He was, he was excellent. He was, a, he was an ex- excellent athlete. I believe he was an All-State uh, strong safety. Yeah, he's only five foot ten. I mean, but he packed a wall up. You're right. And he hit 16 career home runs. That's uh, impressive. Madison Baumgartner, uh, Micah Owings. These are some. These are pitchers I remember that have some pop in their bat. But I, I agree with you on the DH thing with the NL. The NL shouldn't bitch about it because, first of all, like you said, they have plenty of players in the system. But we're also just trying to adapt to an unprecedented situation. So you know, don't act like it was some scheme or scam against them. You know. Yeah. Exactly. Completely agree. And then as far as uh, the collective bargaining agreement, the owners set up the proposal and they're trying to take control. And I'm always going to be a pro players guy. I mean, I loathe owners. I think owners are scum. They're usually people that are um, prejudiced people. Uh, They think down and poorly upon people. They're disconnected from the rest of society. I'm saying it. If you don't like it, too bad. I'm sticking with it. So that makes me pro player. And I think that the players are, they're being put into a corner where it's like, hey, we got the proposal all set up, and the media has it all ready to go. The owners' lackeys in the media are doing their bidding, and the players are in a spot here where they have to be patient and make sure that they don't get caught up in a salary cap, which I, I don't know I don't know if I would mind a salary cap. Uh, I mean, I don't play in the league, so what does it matter to me? I would probably be pissed if I couldn't make as much money as possible, though. But there needs to be more than a salary cap. There needs to be a salary floor in MLB. That's one of the bigger problems. Yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't thought about salary cap, and that's actually extremely concerning to me. Um, I don't want a salary cap in baseball, uh, 
But I agree with you with salary floor. I think there needs to be a certain threshold that you have to be able to spend on your players. I, I mean, sure, these contracts are out of control, but who, who, who do you want to have the money in the end? I mean, you, you said it. We're, we're pro player, not pro owner. I don't think anybody that watches baseball is pro owner unless you are one of those owners. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's uh, good thoughts right there when it comes down to, uh, you know, the players being careful not to get put into a hole where they're giving up too many of their rights. Yeah, the big issue, I think, as far as fantasy baseball with the labor negotiations is service time. You know, they already agreed originally to the, I, the concept that service time will count for a player this season no matter how many games are played. And there's a lot of speculation from everybody I've talked to and, you know, doing the other podcasts I do, the Turn 2 podcast, the guys over there seem to think guys like Ryan Mountcastle won't play this year because why would they want to only get 80 games when they could get 162 games out of a service year or 150? And that is something that is really going to affect guys that are on the cusp of coming up and contributing this year. And that's uh, something fantasy managers need to be aware of. Yeah, we, we talked about a couple of weeks ago, uh, those guys that were, you know, right they're right there. A guy like Ryan Mountcastle that you just talked about, a guy who, you know, a big time prospect for the Orioles and what's going to happen with service time. Uh, it's going to mess with a lot of teams, you know, thinking of how they're going to run their organizations and also what's going to happen now that we don't have minor league baseball, you want these guys to play, you want them to be on your roster to be able to get some at bats, but how is that going to affect service time and when they're going to get to arbitration? Absolutely. Oh, if you want to email the show, remember, it's palazzopodcast at protonmail.com. Two L's, two Z's. We're available on Twitter and Instagram. We're taking pictures of ourselves every day and putting them on Instagram. Just kidding. I don't think we've ever done that. Uh, maybe we did that a long time ago. Remember we took pictures with the selfie stick? That was fun. Yeah, back when we were doing this pod in the same room. Back at your yeah. house. Now yeah. I'm in my basement, and you're not even in Ann Arbor right now. <laughs> oh, I'm in beautiful Ludington, Michigan. I'm eight blocks from... Lake Michigan, the lake for sportsmen, as the great Gordon Lightfoot said in the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. What a great song that is. And uh, I'll tell you, man, we probably should do more Instagram stuff because I, not that anyone cares. I think the social media that gets the most attention is Instagram. People love Instagram. They're so into it, man. It's like all the rage, man, woman, in between, transgender, old, young. People love Instagram. Twitter is secondary, and then Facebook is a long distant third. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, at least what I hear from the younger generation that it's it's all about the <laughs> gram. And the, it's all about the gram and the Twitter. Um, the younger you know, generation. You're not on Facebook anymore. I don't. I don't see why I'm even on Facebook. It's kind of worthless at this point. It's just a dying social media uh, conglomerate there. So uh, yeah, maybe uh, we start pumping up our Instagram uh, photos or selfies, whatever lingo this generation uses. I don't know. Well, you could do all kinds of stuff on there. They got Instagram TV and live, and it's actually a lot of fun. But <laughs> I'm a hypocrite because Instagram is owned by Facebook. Facebook is Instagram. So it, I'm not on Facebook, but I'm on Instagram. It's a, I am a complicated, foolhardy human being, just like the rest of you. But, you know, that's why you guys listen, right? You like to connect with regular people like yourselves, and we're glad that you guys are listening. And on today's show, our focus was Universal DH and the players that will be impacted by it. So... You know, we got a list of a bunch of players. We're not going to go through every single player. We're just going to focus on certain players that each of us like and think that there could be a potential for fantasy 
robustness, an opportunity to spread their wings and fly when maybe they would have been limited, especially in the National League. But we also want to talk about maybe some players once things get going from the American League who could be trade targets that would probably not be traded to National League teams without a DH, right? And, you know, right off the bat, we're Detroiters. And I wonder, Deary, what do you think of Miguel Cabrera? Do you think that he would be traded first off at all? And if so, do you think the NLDH now increases the odds of that happening once there is baseball? Uh, I would like for the Tigers to trade him. Uh, he was actually in really good shape coming into spring training. He looked pretty good. He had a home run off Garrett Cole in the second week of spring training where I was like, wow, I hadn't seen a swing like that from Cabrera in at least three to four years. Oh, the yeah, the spring training was, he was real, yeah, he was like, there was a lot of hype about Cabrera when we still had spring training. I forgot about that. He looked really good, and he looked healthy. I mean, obviously, it's not going to be the MVP triple crown season he ever had again, but the guy's, the guy's a professional hitter and should still be able to produce. problem is I don't see the Tigers trading him. I think the Tigers are just going to be like, oh, well, here's our one guy that's going to get fans to pay attention to our beloved Tigers. And, you know, I, I love Miguel Cabrera. He's one of my favorite, you know, players of all time not only tigers of all time but I, I think if there's a way the tigers could get rid of them get rid of some of that money and you know possibly get you know some type of talent back or draft picks or i don't care i'll take a couple a ball players um you know and maybe open up some opportunities at first base for somebody else obviously there's nobody in the tiger system that can play first base right now uh that's why i'm hoping <laughs> that they will go and draft spencer torkelson from arizona state to play first uh, but yeah, Cabrera's an intriguing guy who I think could produce if, if he got shipped over to the National League. So that's definitely one guy who, if it doesn't happen this year, if the DH continues uh, past this year, uh, maybe next year he gets shipped off. Yeah, that is a good point, Deary. The long-term fallout, if the universal DH sticks, if because the collective bargaining agreement expires after next season, right? So if they come to some type of immediate or maybe a two-year plan on this universal DH. That will change things as well and create a window of opportunity that's greater for the Tigers to trade him. Now, the problem is the Tigers have a real lack of star power. I mean, they're one of the most lame, boring-ass teams in all of baseball. So Miguel Cabrera, admittedly, still has that cachet as a guy who's legit. Hey, it's Mel- he's a Hall of Famer. He's one of the great right-handed hitters of uh, our time. And he deserves that respect. But that $31 million hanging over him each year that needs to be paid out for the next couple of years still, that's no good. I don't see how anybody could take on that, especially with this loss of revenue. That's the key. That that is the exact reason why Miguel Cabrera will not be traded because there's a loss of revenue here with no fans. Even if baseball's played, there will be no fans. That means no hot dogs, no pops, no uh, craft brews at $18 a pop. So that is the reason. There is no way Miguel Cabrera will be traded to anybody in the next two years. I mean, if, if he ever did get traded, the Tigers would end up still paying a chunk of that contract, uh, pretty close to kind of what happened with Prince Fielder. Um, the the thing that ha- – with this year, I, I think there's several American League teams that have the potential to trade some of these guys who may be poor defensively or don't have a position to play – two National League teams, but I honestly do not see any trades 
happening over the summer. I think teams are going to be afraid because of the pandemic and having people go cross country to a new team and bringing someone new into the fold. I don't see trades happening, which is going to be extremely frustrating when you get to whatever this deadline, you know, trade deadline that they come up with, whatever that date is going to be. I think it's going to be devastating for teams that are trying to make a run for an expanded playoff system. Yeah, that's a really good point. So uh, Miguel Cabrera is going to be stuck on the Tigers and they'll be saddled with that salary. But there are other players in the National League who will benefit from this universal DH. And one guy that's getting a lot of buzz right now, more than most, is Austin Riley of the Atlanta Braves. Here's a guy who came up hot last year. Remember this? He got, he was on fire. He was in the zone. And then the strikeouts caught up with him. And it all went bye-bye. And eventually he wasn't even playing. Adam Duvall was getting more run. (laughs) I wonder if this DH opportunity solidifies more opportunity for Adam Duvall to play over Austin Riley. What do you think? Yeah, Austin Riley's a guy who came up last season, and yeah, he was mashing the ball. Ended up with 18 home runs. Uh, by the end of the season, he was only batting 226. I'm thinking if if he can move over to DH and just solely focus on his hitting, which the problem that he has had throughout all of the minor league system and last year is that he strikes out at a ridiculous pace. Last year struck out 36% of the time. Mm. All through the minors, it was a much lower than that. It was more about the, the mid-20s, um, mid-20% or so. But if he could focus just on hitting, uh, I, I think there's some upside there. I think Adam Duvall is someone who, you know, he's been in the league for a few more years, a little more of an accomplished hitter. I think he gives a little more upside. Uh, but, yeah, the Braves are, you know, kind of a crowded team when it comes to their, their outfield. I mean, Nick Markakis is still there as well. Um, it'll actually be really important for him that if they can throw him at DH for some games, give him some breaks, especially if they're they're ramping up the schedule and they're playing a lot more. But, uh, yeah, Austin Riley, if this guy can figure out how to lower that strikeout rate, get back to where he's walking a decent amount. The guy has super pop. He has, you know, 40 home run upside. If he can just focus on the hitting, you know, maybe he's a guy that you could look at in the later rounds uh, to be your DH on a team. Yeah, I know Austin Riley has the pedigree. The Braves like him still. He came out red hot last year, 14 home runs in the first two months in May and June. I remember playing against him in fantasy. I didn't have any shares in him. And he was killing me. It was really annoying. It seemed like he had a home run every other night. But then it all went quietly away. And he only had one game last year where he was a DH, you know, in minimal interleague play. And uh, there's not a lot to go on in terms of uh, DH history with him. But I think Austin Riley is someone who could benefit. So, And Adam Duvall is a guy who will hit 30 home runs if he gets the opportunity to play enough. He doesn't do much else. But in a league where home runs are plentiful, at least with the juice ball, I don't see Adam Duvall being a special player but you know some people like to target a guy like that i annoyed and i'm pretty much avoid a guy like that but hey that's just me um the, the braves are also a team that are going to score a, a bunch so whoever ends up being their dh is probably going to be batting in about the sixth or seventh hole so there's gonna be a ton of rbi opportunities uh so that that's definitely a team i'm i'm looking at whoever their dh is and possibly scooping them up One team where it stands out that the DH will be a huge benefit. There's two teams to me, really, in the National League, and that's – we'll start with the Mets. Now, the Mets had Dominic Smith, J.D. Davis, even Jonas Cespedes, coming back from many 
some surgeries on his heel and, you know, the whole gardening accident or whatever the hell happened there a couple of years ago. I am, uh, I was optimistic of Dominic Smith. I had bought into him. You could get him pretty cheap late in drafts, especially if you played in, you know, like TGFBI or the Roto Leagues with huge rosters or best ball scenarios. Dominic Smith was a guy I was taking late and hoping that maybe there would be an injury or two. And on the Mets, we can always guarantee that there will be an injury. But uh, I'm excited about Dominic Smith having more opportunity to play. I think J.D. Davis was already going to get opportunity to play. But Dominic Smith is someone I'm excited about. Yeah, Dom Smith, you know, he was going to be fighting for at-bats at first base or in the outfield. I mean, the guy guy had 197 plate appearances last year. Showed some pop with 11 home runs. Uh, decent walk rate. Strikeout rate is actually improved from what it was in the minor in the minor leagues. Uh, I think there's a lot of people that were zeroing in on him and J.D. Davis before this possible universal DH, but I think this gives a bump in value for both of these guys. On, on a Mets team that, you know, similar to the Braves, I think are going to be able to put up some runs, and this DH spot is going to be right in the meat, meat of the order. Yeah, I think that the Jonas Cespedes fantasy that a lot of people have, they're living in the past. You know, it's, isn't it weird to think that he was actually a tiger for a year? That's so bizarre. <laughs> well, yeah, it's also like Upton was the same way. Do you even like remember these guys being on the Tigers? Yeah, it is like that too. I remember Upton a little bit more because he was here a little bit longer, but the Cespedes thing was so brief. It's like it never happened, but it surely did. That was a real thing. And I want people to get off that bandwagon. Do not put your faith in a guy who just cannot stay healthy and he's only getting older unless he's using roids or he's got some type of performance enhancing benefit. You want legs will not hold up. They are brittle made of glass and the party's over for him, even though he looks like a stud in his workout videos and yada, yada, yada. Don't be fooled by that. No, he's, he's 34 years old. Um, lots of injuries the last few years. And uh, yeah, I, I think it, I think it's over for him. I don't I don't see much else uh, for Yoannis. Uh, I'm rooting for the guy because I've always kind of been a Cespedes fan, but I think it's a logjam where you're going to go with those younger guys. I mean, what's Dom Smith? 24 years old, 25. JD Davis, right around the same age. Uh, these, I think these guys be more important that they get opportunities than uh, Oldiani over there. <laughs> Cespedes has not played in a long, long time. He hasn't played in two years, a good two years. Now, that would be an argument for some that he's fresh. Because even in 2018, he only played 38 games he played. 2017, he played 81 games. And in those limited efforts, he showed something in 2017. But 2018, he was not really who people expected him to be. And now, now, he's 34 years old. He's going to be 35 in October. I just don't see how this guy can benefit and be of use. So I'm trying to do everyone a service here. Stay off the UNS Cespedes bandwagon. Now, if it comes back to bite me in the ass, then I'll, uh, I'll eat it. I'll, I'll face it. I'll face the music. I'm not afraid to admit that, but that's a big I think he's. I think he suffers from something I call wrestling body, where <laughs> he, he has so many muscles, and he's, like, too jacked up that, like, he just injures himself because his muscles get in the way all the time. Uh, we had a couple of friends in high school that were like too jacked up. And every time they walked around and it always seemed like they were like hurting something or twisting something or, or like Dan, because they were just, because they, they had too many muscles. 
I think of Dan, your buddy Dan. Was he like that? Dan was fat in high school, so that, did, that doesn't apply. <laughs> oh! oh okay. maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe Dan when we got to softball Dan, but uh, ah. baseball Dan was, was pudgy, fat, and no good. <laughs> <laughs> wow, he's, he changed a lot. I'll give him that. Uh, J.D. Davis, people love J.D. Davis. I don't need to sell you. If you know anything about fantasy baseball and you listen to other shows, people have been hyping up J.D. Davis's 2019 you know, hits 300, 370 OBP, 527 slash line, 22 home runs. That's nice. Uh, you know, 8.5% walk rate. That's cool. I'm down with that. This is a guy with a 136 weighted runs created plus. That's that's solid. I mean, it's not like trout level, but that's a rock-solid player that you'd want to have in your lineup. And now having a safety net of a DH, I would be even more excited if I was anybody who has already drafted and I had bought into J.D. Davis. So that's something to keep an eye on. As far as the other team I was talking about in the National League, who has a glut of players, it's the Cincinnati Reds. So the Reds, people were confused by some of their moves. Nick Castellano signing was quite a surprise to me. Four years, $64 million. And they had already signed Shogo Akiyama in the offseason. And they had Nick Senzel coming back from a big injury. Now with a DH... Nick Castellanos was probably going to start anyways, but he's not a good fielder. This is a great benefit for the Reds, maybe even beyond fantasy, because now they could play Castellanos at the DH and have an outfield that's much more rock solid. And also, this is a guy I forgot to put on the list now, dear. You know, I'm thinking about it. This is great news for uh, the big slugger last year. My Aquino. main man. Yeah, this is huge news for Aristides Caquino. He comes up and could play regularly now as a DH as well, possibly, or at least getting enough at-bats where he could contribute to the team in some way that if he does anything like he did last year with his ridiculous run, that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, this is, this is great news for the, for the Reds. Uh, you know, they, they have uh, just a glutton of, of talent that they can put in the outfield with young guys, you know, guys that can play multiple positions. Uh, we talked about Castellanos a couple of months ago and how we both thought he's Think, or thinking he's going to have a really, really nice season. It's a very friendly ballpark for a guy that, you know, is a gap hitter, hits a lot of doubles, will probably hit a ton of home runs there, but he can't play defense at all. They're going to be able to hide that terrible defense, put him right at the DH. Uh, and the Reds are a team that I really like. I think it's a decent pitching staff, but the fact that you have three or four guys that can all just slot in at the DH and give you, uh, you know, a lot of value at that position. And you mentioned Aquino. That guy had – what, 19 home runs last year? Uh, he's got a little bit of speed as well. He had seven stolen bases, 259 average. Guy's, yeah, only, 20, guy's only 26. You know, if he's going to be able to, to play in a possible 75 to 80 games this season, man, he could really give a nice boost to that Reds lineup and possibly your fantasy team. Yeah, he had a devastatingly awful September, but that run in August, woo! What a memory for somebody who picked him up. I laughed at somebody I know. Uh, his name is John. You know him, too. Played a baseball league with him, and he was so excited. He's like, I'm going to keep Aquino. I'm like, dude, you're not keeping Aquino. I mean, it's a nice run, but there's a keeper league. This is not a guy where you we have eight or six keepers. I couldn't remember. But you don't – it just wasn't somebody I'd be keeping. It was fun. If it could help you have a nice finish to your fantasy season, that's great. But you got to be very wary of what a guy does for you in the moment and what he can do for you long term. And I know that it, it's not like Aristides Aquino was some old man, but the strikeout rate got real bad and it got exposed eventually. And there's something 
to be weary of. And what I'm more interested in, Deary, is actually Jesse Winker, a guy who's still only 26 years old. He's a left-handed bat, so that's great to put him in the lineup where you need a nice left-handed bat that gets on base and can hit for power, even though the power wasn't always there. I mean, last year he had 16 home runs, and people were still hoping for more. But in the previous two years, in very limited action, he had seven home runs apiece in 47 games and 89 games, respectively. So I like Winker to really also benefit greatly from this, and probably maybe more than Aquino, because Winker gets on base at a great clip. He always has throughout the career in the minors, coming up in the majors. Last year, he had a 10% walk rate. Uh, in 2018, in 90 games, he had a 15% walk rate. And I love guys like that. I think that will stabilize him. And that's the kind of DH you want. Somebody who gets on base and can provide just enough power in a ballpark that is a joke for power anyways. Yeah, I think that on-base percentage is really nice for Winker. And Winker's not even somebody I had thought of. We had talked about um... – you know, Aquino and Castellanos. And, you know, you got to remember, they also got this guy Shogo Akiyama as well. So there's a ton of guys that they have in the outfield. I was thinking that, you know, they had such, such great depth that if an, an injury occurred that, you know, they would be okay. And uh, now with the DH, they just have a lot of different options with, uh, you know, guys like Josh Van Meter, Nick Senzel, I mean, Jesse Winker. I mean, it goes on and on and on with guys that can play multiple positions and might be able to take over that DH spot. Absolutely. If you got some DHs that you think will benefit from this, and all players that could be universal DHs, hit us up at Palazzo Podcast at ProtonMail.com. Two L's, two Z's, or tweet at us and we'll tweet back at you. Send us a message, slide into our DMs, whatever you got to do. We'd love to hear from you. Around the rest of the National League, Deary, the Cubs. Now, the Cubs, they're kind of a mess. They're a real disappointment. Theo Epstein is a legendary talent evaluator and builder of squads. No challenge from me, but they got kind of a messy situation. Now you got this Jason Hayward contract, which totally blows. It's an albatross from hell. And Steven Souza was signed for nothing in the offseason. And I think now that Steven Souza, who was coming back from major, you know, knee, leg injuries, he hasn't played in a couple of years. He could benefit from him the opportunity just to be a DH. And he's a guy, I think, who is undervalued. When he gets a chance to play, he's been someone that I have targeted at times, and he's been a benefit. I mean, I said this um, on the Turn 2 pod a couple weeks ago. I I remember, it seems like yesterday, where he made that game-saving catch for Jordan Zimmerman when he threw a no-hitter on the last day of the season for the Nationals like six years ago before he signed with the Tigers. Remember that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Jordan Zimmerman. Yeah, Jordan Zimmerman threw a no-hitter is the most (laughs) fascinating piece of information from all that. But when Sousa's healthy, he's a guy who can give you 30 home runs and steal 20 bases if given the opportunity, and he's always had a good walk rate. In 2017, 150 games, he had a 14% walk rate. I totally dig that. The strikeout rate was high at 29%, but I think that's something that hopefully he can work on. What do you think? Yeah, I feel terrible for Steven Sousa. 15, 16, and 17 with the Rays, he really just kept improving year after year. Um, Obviously, that K rate was garbage, but he was getting on base more, hitting home runs. 2017, he had 30 home runs, 78 runs, 78 RBIs, and 16 stolen bases. So coming into 18, I was super excited about this guy, and then he gets injured. 
misses all of last year. So he really hasn't played full-time baseball where he made it through over, you know, 70 games since 2017. He's still only 31 years old, so I think the opportunity is there with the Cubs. Uh, Jason Hayward's someone who just did not become what everybody thought he was going to. Uh, I still remember his first at-bat with the Atlanta Braves, hit a home run in an afternoon game. I believe it was actually against the Cubs. And, yeah, he's got an inflated contract over here uh, with, the, with the Cubbies now. And the Cubbies have a, a couple other options besides Souza to play DH. Um, you have Ian Happ. you got Albert Almora, who's, who's been kind of ratting around for the last few years. you got what's going on at second base with David Bate and Nico Horner. So there's a lot of different options here for them. And Sousa, if this guy can be healthy, I think he can really produce. And if he can still put the ball out of the ballpark, have a little bit of speed, he could be a real nice sneaky fantasy player in that DH spot for the Cubs. Yeah, and anybody who's worried about playing time for Ian Happ, which actually I don't think there was going to be a problem, but if you had any concerns at all, this DH might also help that situation. And I'm really excited about Ian Happ in 2020, whenever that season occurs. Also in the NL Central, the Cardinals. We'd be remiss if we didn't discuss the Cardinals situation because they've always had what appears to be too many outfielders. You got... Dylan Carlson now on the brink, and then you've had Tyler O'Neill and the Dexter Fowler contract still dragging on. And now Tommy Edmond came in the picture last year, and he can play all over. They traded <laughs> what would probably be a great DH now <laughs> in Jose Martinez to the Rays in the offseason and the Matthew Liberatore trade. So I think that the Cardinals are a team that are grateful that a universal DH will come into play. And now Tyler O'Neill can have free reign i am really excited about the opportunity now that tyler o'neill will get to mash every day and show that incredible 80 grade power that he's he's basically you know he's always had that he's been the guy that you can count on for bombs bombs galore i mean he hit 32 home runs in single a in 106 games in 2015 for the mariners and that's that's the legacy that he's been living off of now for the last four or five years but there's been injuries and lack of opportunity going back to 2018 when he was with the major league club. So now is the time, even though Jose Martinez would have been a great DH have no fear of Cardinals fans. Tyler O'Neill is here. Yeah, this is, this is great news for those guys that haven't been able to get the opportunity, whether it was because there's a log jam at a position um, they don't have the defensive skills uh, or they don't have a position to find, or they just haven't had the opportunity. And Tyler O'Neill's a guy who's been able to hit for power all through the minor league system. Uh, the guy's still only 24 years old. He'll be 25 in June. So it's going to be a lot of these teams. It's going to be the rich getting richer. I, I think the Cardinals are a team that are certainly going to be near the top of the national league central. And I think they're going to have the opportunity to be better with this DH. Uh, so, yeah, Tyler O'Neill's a guy that I, I would definitely focus in on. And then, you know, we had talked about Dylan Carlson, a guy who's only only 21 years old still. He might have the opportunity to get some at-bats too now. The guy's six foot three, 205 pounds. So there's some real nice young talent out there in St. Louis, and we might see some of these guys on the field this summer. Yep, a lot of people are loving Dylan Carlson. I think that explains itself. He's a great player with – He's got all the tools. He, he can do a lot of great things for you. So I don't think there's any worry about him playing. This actually could open the door now for him to play more. You're right. But Tyler O'Neill, the only worries, I guess, would be the K rate. And he also pops up a lot. His infield pop-up rate 
last year. It was limited opportunity, but 20%, that's, that's not good. And his strikeout rate has always been real bogus, to put it mildly. When he played the most he got to play in 2018, he had a 40%, 40% K rate. That's, that's bad. So I, I think the mystery there is, will he be able to make enough contact? Maybe if you buy into the hope that, hey, this guy will get better, he's still young and he can grow, and he has a good patient approach, which he doesn't always have, then great. But if you think that K rate's a concern, I could see why you'd be listening to this and say, hey, Tyler O'Neill, no thanks. Give me Dylan Carlson. Give me Dexter Fowler. Give me anybody else in the outfield. Tommy Edmond, you know, he could play third base and outfield. So maybe uh, you maybe you – you might want to slow down, pump the brakes on Tyler O'Neill. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I think a lot has to do with what type of league you're playing in. If, if your league is, is counting strikeouts against you, then you might stay away from some of these guys. But it seems to be the classic case that we're always talking about a lot of these guys that are mashers strike out a ton. It's kind of the normal across the league. And some of these guys, you're just going to have to live, live with it if they can give you some positive numbers going the other way in terms of home runs and RBIs. Yeah, that's a good point. It always does depend on your specific league format. Whenever you're taking any decisions fantasy, that's the first thing you want to know is, what is my league format? What are the rules? What are the league settings? That's fantasy 101 right there. So, yeah, the Cardinals are probably going to be excited. I mean, they also got Lane Thomas in the mix. They got a whole bunch of guys. Harrison Bader is a great defender, so maybe they could play him more in the outfield and have somebody be the launching pad from the DH position. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. They got a lot of problems that I wish the Tigers had, which is <laughs> a, a glutton of players that are probably major league talented players, and they just don't have spots for them to find. Tigers mm-hmm. are in the inverse of that. They're actually trying to find players to fill their positions. Yeah, you're right about that, Deary. The Tigers are a disaster. There's a team in Colorado who plays a course field. The Rockies are infamous for their – Awful roster choices. Uh, Bud Black, I don't really blame Bud Black. I think he takes a lot of cues from the front office who demand that he sits players on certain days, uh, doesn't give enough playing time to certain guys. You know, Garrett Hampson, Ryan McMahon. A lot of these guys have had their <laughs> they've had their heartstrings tugged at a lot with playing opportunities that have come and gone. It's always a mystery what the hell is going to happen in Colorado because then they sign these old veterans too when they have young guys that could play. The DH will help, and if you can have a DH in Coors Field, that is wonderful news. That is someone you want to sign up for. So whoever that is, if, even if it's Ian Desmond who gets to play more DH, Garrett Hampson, Dia Desmond, Josh Fuentes, even Daniel Murphy who's supposed to be first base, if he moves into more of a DH role, I think Daniel Murphy still has some life left in him. And that also means that Sam Hilliard could play more. There is a lot of guys that ooze talent and are excitable players. What do you think of this Rocky situation? Yeah, they're an interesting situation because they got the young guys in McMahon, Hap, Hampson, uh, Brendan Rogers. And then you got the, the, the flip side of that is some of the older guys, Daniel Murphy, who I'm not sure what he has left at 35 years old. Uh, but, you know, just as early as two years ago, he was still being able to rake the ball pretty well. And then you talk about Ian Desmond, who's another guy who – he doesn't have to play the field and you can just focus on hitting home runs. The guy has the power to hit 25 to 30 home runs and playing in Colorado, whoever's going to be that DH, whether it's a rotating, uh, you know, mix of guys or someone, you know, solidifies their spot as the DH. I think it's going to be a valuable spot for, for Colorado as well. 
Yeah, I think Garrett Hampson's the better fielder to Ryan McMahon, and McMahon hopefully be pushed to the bench. But McMahon is a lefty, but Colorado has a ton of lefties. So Garrett Hampson being a right-handed hitter is probably a benefit for him. Because if you look on roster resource on fan graphs, they have, you got David Dahl, lefty, Charlie Blackman, a lefty, Daniel Murphy, lefty, Ryan McMahon, lefty, Sam Hilliard, lefty, Tony Walters, lefty. They only have two right-handed hitters right now in the starting lineup versus right-handed pitching. That's Trevor Story and Nolan Arenado. So I think this is big news for Garrett Hampson. However he gets in the lineup, everyone loves his speed. This is a guy who could steal 40 bases if he was given the opportunity to do so. He's had that kind of success in the minors. Stole 51 bases at single A in 2017. I like Garrett Hampson's opportunity to flourish. I'm... If I hadn't done it already and I get to draft again, I will buy big probably a little bit sooner on Garrett Hampson. I think those stolen bases are really nice. Let's say we're working on an 80-game schedule. If he plays a full 80 games, the guy could steal 15 to 20 bases. And having the opportunity to play more, he he walked at a decent rate last year. Um, Guy has has the opportunity. I think he's the one guy that you focus in on because of those steals and the fact he's young and, you know, he has opportunity to finally get a ton of playing time. Yeah, I really think McMahon gets moved to DH, and this is an opportunity for Garrett Hampson to shine. And generally, McMahon and Hampson are neck and neck in uh, average draft ADP. 197 for McMahon, 209 for Hampson. So, this shows you that they were probably razor thin. And if there's another position opportunity that opens up, I think it's a bump for Mr. Hampson. Great news, Garrett Hampson lovers. And then, of course, there's the Washington Nationals. The Nationals signed a bunch of kind of middle-of-the-road veteran infielders to small contracts in the offseason after winning their first championship last year over the Houston Astros. A guy like Ryan Zimmerman's coming back for another season. Ryan Zimmerman... Some people thought he was done, but it was only two years ago where he had that he had that really incredible season, but people did not expect him to have. He showed that he still had a great bat in his hands, and I think that Ryan Zimmerman will get to be in the mix for what will probably be a mess of DHs that will probably never solidify <laughs> any clarity in the national situation, but if Zimmerman can do what he did in 2017. He had 36 home runs. It was crazy. I know he, and he, he doesn't do that on the reg anymore. That was definitely one. It was his career high. And this is a guy who only hit 30 home runs one other time in 2009. So maybe asking for that bat to come back from three years ago is probably ridiculous. So I would be very weary overall of him or uh, Zruba Cabrera. Howie Kendrick is a nice bet. Maybe he gets to be the DH, but I think there's just a mess of too many guys here. Can you imagine if you're Ryan Zimmerman and you retired and then all of a sudden this possible DH comes back? It's like, oh, man, I want to get back into baseball because I could actually be the DH for the Nationals. But what if he just didn't take care of himself at all in the offseason? He was (laughs) bad to tell. (laughs) Yeah, Ryan Zimmerman's an example of one of those National League players that that they might be able to extend a career with – the team that they've been with for a very long time with that possible DH. So um, obviously he's beloved in uh, Washington. Uh, They were super excited that he finally got a world series. He's kind of the all-time leader in almost all of their statistics. And uh, you know, he'll have an opportunity to be the DH there. I think Howie Kendrick makes the most sense. I think Kendrick is more of a 
professional hitter, a little bit younger than Zimmerman. Um, and what Hendrick was able to do in the second half of last year and into the playoffs was just unreal. Um, and if he can get any type of value of what he did last year, I mean, I mean, he, he betted what he bet like 340 last year, which was just un, unbelievable for a guy that I thought was washed up. But if he can give you any type of value this year in that position in a Nationals lineup that I still like, even with Rendon gone. Um, but yeah, you talked about it. Nationals have a lot of different options uh, as their DH this year. And then, of course, there's our old buddy, uh, Eric Thames. He, our buddy? Our buddy? Oh, yeah, we're real tight. Eric Thames, <laughs> we, you, all three of us, we go way back. I never owned him. Is he back in the majors? <laughs> <laughs> what? Yes, of course. He's been in the <laughs> I'm joking. I'm I can't believe you disrespected Eric Thames like that. That's harsh, man. It's because he ruined a couple fantasies for me. Oh, there it is. The truth comes out. Um, he's a guy that is a clear platoon guy. 23 home runs versus right-handers. He's a lefty, by the way. Two home runs versus lefties last year. So it's a clear cut-and-dry case of a guy who I would start versus right-handers and then not play against lefties. And that's why... We'll have a mess on our hands. He, he could play first base, but then Zimmerman could play first base in DH. Kendrick in the mix. I'd be, I'd be weary of opening up a position here with the DH is great, but as a Nationals fan, uh, fan or just someone who's interested in their situation, I'd be real suspect of it. But I do agree. I think Kendrick is the best option. I completely agree with you. Yeah, I think in the end they probably just rotate guys based on, on situation, which, which makes a guy like Tim's very hard to roster sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's true. I've always avoided Thames. I've never had him on my squads, but, you know, it depends on your format, as always. And then, uh, you know, after that, there's other positions around the league. There's, you know, the Diamondbacks have some guys that are hanging around, you know, maybe not that excited. Kevin Cron, Jake Lamb. Yasmani Tomas is still on their roster. He's been in the minors. They still have that one year left of that contract. Maybe they try to put him. I mean, Yasmani Tomas is the definition of a guy who should be a DH. I don't know if I would target him, but it's just something to think about. He's the definition of a guy that I kept several years ago because I thought <laughs> the breakout was happening the next year after he hit 30 home runs. And then, <laughs> then he didn't even make the squad. He's been in double A since. <laughs> oh, dear, dear. I'm so sorry. <laughs> okay, I still yeah. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't sweat it. Uh, Jay Bruce is a clear name that's been bumped up to the top of the list as a DH hitting in Citizens Bank Ballpark in Philadelphia. Uh, that is great news if you like Jay Bruce, if you like the Phillies. They have had guys who could be DHs, but they didn't have the opportunity to do so, but now they do. And Jay Bruce is still a solid player. His average will always be trash. Everyone knows that. But Jay Bruce is a guy that hits home runs at a great clip, and he always has. I mean, last year he had 26 home runs in 98 games. He gave you a 216 batting average, which is god-awful. And uh, weighted runs created plus of 98. That's, that's no good. But one thing Jay Bruce does is hit home runs, and I think to me this is another prototypical guy who will hit as a DH, as a left-handed bat versus right-handed pitching, and then you can s- slide him in with uh, – you know, maybe Alec Bohm. Alec Bohm is a guy with a high draft pick from a couple years ago that they're really excited about. He's going to be the third baseman of the future. Maybe he gets more run if he can hit every day. Or maybe they could put 
Gene Segura as a DH. You know, there, there's some new options here where Alec Bohm could get more run. Neil Walker is also on the roster. I don't like Neil Walker, but you have to recognize that he exists. Uh, what do you think, <laughs> Debbie? Well, Jay Bruce? I mean, I, what I'm interested in, you bring up a guy like uh, Alec Baum. Uh, what I think is going to be interesting is what way, like what route some of these teams are going to go. If it's going to be a veteran at the DH or if they're going to go with a young guy who maybe they don't think is – capable of playing in the field or there's a log jam and they they don't have a spot. So which way are these teams going to go? Are they going to go with the veteran? Are they going to go with the young guy? Are they going to go with the platoon? I think that's something that I'm really interested, interested to, to see. Um, and I'm really just interested to see if there are any moves that might be made between now and a possible spring training. Are there still some free agents out there? I haven't looked at the wire at all, but are there still some free agents out there that maybe might not have a chance at a job without this DH being possible. That is a great point. I mean, uh, Yazo Puig was signed by the Giants. That was the last, like, free agent I can think of who finally got uh, snagged. But with the service time issue, that may be something that limits a guy like Alec Baum. You're right. And that's a real bummer because I think – if you got a guy who can help you now, and especially if you're the Phillies, that's also another consideration you have to take in. The Phillies are in a win-now mode. So maybe the it's not a universal thing that, hey, we don't want to waste a full season of service time for getting 82 games on a player. But when you're in win-now mode, you'll probably do that. So maybe every team will think they have a win-now mode as well because in an 82-game season, anything could happen. Things that happen in one half of a season don't happen in a second half. You know, Jose Ramirez had one half of a season that was god-awful, and then the other half of a season was great last year. So you never know what you're going to get, and you're basically playing one half of a season for a full season this year, right? Oh, it's, it's, it's so intriguing to me. A guy like Jose Ramirez who has just a god-awful first half of the season and then breaks for the last two months. There are going to be guys that come out of the gate and mash and – through those first 60 games could be super value and valuable and win you a fantasy championship right away. Uh, there's going to be more teams that are in the, we have an opportunity to win this year. I mean, we've seen it in the past. All you really got to do is get in that postseason tournament and with it expanding to seven teams, I mean, you're getting almost half the league into the playoffs. And when you're just playing 82 games, it's going to be a short sprint to get there. So, uh, I'm really, really intrigued on, on how the season is going to roll. Yeah, you know, you mentioned these guys that might be in DH roles. Scooter Gannett, you know, I mean, he, I know he really struggled with the Giants, and they, they just let him go. He was that bad, but he's still only 30 years old. Maybe he gets a chance, you know. Maybe he's like, hey, let's bring him aboard. He could be our DH. That's, that's a good idea, dear. It's smart. We'll see how that plays out because there's not a lot of guys available. You know, guys like Mark Reynolds uh, – <laughs> Um, Austin Jackson's been trying to get back in the mix. I wouldn't want him on my team personally, but you might, I mean, what you might end up seeing is in fantasy baseball, by the end of the year, you might end up winning it and you're going to look at your roster and be like, these guys aren't like household names or super talented top level guys that we saw at amazing ADPs at the start of the season. You might end up winning it with a team of guys that, ADP at the start of the season might all be in the 200s, but they just mm -hmm. go off on a little little short run, and uh, that's what's going to make it really, really fun. 
Um, I love the long kind of the long game of fantasy baseball and playing throughout the whole season. But uh, in terms of fantasy, I mean, you lose your first few weeks. And if you're playing head to head and you're down a bunch, you might start pulling crazy trades immediately if uh, you're just trying to win that uh, win that cash in a, a short sprint. Absolutely. No doubt about it, Derek. Well, let's wrap up here. Let's just look at the American League real quick. Is there any players that you see around the American League who could now be – we talked about Miguel Cabrera, but now we, they could be trade bait or more likely to move to the NL since there's a DH. It's a whole new world opening. I mean, you're basically talking about having 15 positions open that weren't open before. And a guy like Chris Davis, not KRS Davis – but the original Chris Davis, the sad sack Baltimore Oriole first baseman. I mean, he's still got the bogus contract, but if he shows any life and the Orioles are rebuilding and they can ship him to a team that will take on some salary, you know, that's uh, a guy to keep an eye on who could maybe get a chance to play every day as a DH in the NL. They also have Renato Nunez is a guy who he's not, he's not a part of their long-term future. He hits a bunch of home runs and that's pretty much it. Strikes out a, a fair amount. I think, these are guys on rebuilding rosters. The Tigers have guys like C.J. Crone. C.J. Crone could be shipped. C.J. Crone and Jonathan Scope are guys that have been bought to be traded. <laughs> I mean, that's just a, a classic example of that. So what do you think, Deary? Is there anybody in the AL that you see as trade bait now? Well, well just talking about guys that you just mentioned, if I'm the Orioles, uh, I try to trade Chris Davis right now. I don't think there's any chance to like. Why? I mean, do you, well, do you play that? But game nobody would to, take him. Maybe. I mean, I wouldn't take him. I don't think the guy needs to be playing in the league. I think they're just doing him a favor because he's been with them forever and they gave him a huge contract. But uh, I'd at yeah. least try to trade him right now and say, "Hey, man, this guy's still got something for you." Yeah, a guy like Daniel Vogelbach on the Mariners. Uh, you know, they're rebuilding. He's not a part of the future. He's only 27, but he's your classic DH to a T. And he had a great first half last year, totally fell off in the second half. But if there's a team over there that's like, hey, we could use Daniel Vogelbeck's incredible walk rate, which is always great. Last year, he had a 16.5% walk rate in 144 games. That is top-notch, folks. And that is something I would be on board with. Unfortunately, what comes with that is, you know, a strikeout rate in the upper 20s, although it's gotten a little better at times. But he hits 30 home runs, and his home ballpark is safe go. I mean, that's... Somebody, it's just a possibility. I think we need to open up and look at guys who could be expanded and have more of a role because Volkerback was probably going to lose time with Evan White being the heir apparent at first base, and they got a lot of guys that they want to play, especially with Mitch Hanniger having more time to get healthy. There's going to be guys that are expendable who will get more opportunity in an NLDH. Yeah, Vogelbach's a guy that, uh, like you said, 27, but he doesn't seem to be the, the future for them. And sure, uh, you're going to get a ton of strikeouts, but, you know, excellent walk rate and a lot of home runs. It'll be really interesting to see, you know, if these American League teams are going to be aggressive and try to trade some of these guys that they can't find a spot for or just really not enamored with them being the DH of the future and seeing if they can move on from them and get them out to the National League. Absolutely, yeah. Well, if you like what you heard today, we would love to hear from you. Palazzo Podcast, two L's, two Z's on Twitter. We love checking out our Twitter. You can also check us out on all of your classic formats. If you're listening to us on 
iTunes, Apple Podcasts, please rate us. Uh, five stars, I hear, is really good, and we would really welcome that. Uh, only if you believe in it, though. Only if you believe in it. And, of course, you can email the show, palazzopodcast at protonmail.com. Two L's, two Z's. Deary, any final words as we close this show? I feel a lot better. Oh, that's great, man. See? I was, you know, it's it's how it's been going these last few pods. I'm real down at the start of the pod, and then I start talking baseball, and I get excited. And then I go to bed, and I'm laying in bed, and I'm like, shit, there's still no baseball for another pod. Um, huh. But just talking to you, Mike, makes me a little more encouraged about the possibility of me being able to escape from my hell of a job right now and be able to watch baseball and play fantasy baseball. Couldn't have said it better myself, Deary. I'm glad that we have this baseball format to talk with you and everybody here. Thanks for being a part of the show. Uh, follow us everywhere. Connect with us. Send us a shout out. I know there's no baseball. If you feel like Deary, let us know. We'd really like to know there's others of you out there because I know there is. Until next time, I'm Michael Govier. He's Christopher Deary. We'll see ya. Bye. Fucking shit.